One of the main things we do in this place is to tell stories. So let me tell you one right now. In the beginning, the great author had an idea. God wrote all of creation into being, and it was very good. Then the author became a character in the story. God became one of us and lived among us for 30 years, 30 little years that became an indelible part of eternity. Jesus walked among us and filled a cup full of the human condition. He was a gift to us in the flesh, and we killed him. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus descended deeper into death, to the very bottom, filling that cup the entire time. Then he kicked off from the bottom and came up out of the tomb on Easter morning. He walked among his friends, showing them the cup that he had filled to the brim with the full experience of humanity, including death. On the 40th day, Jesus placed that cup into a cosmic rubber band. He rose from the earth and he pulled and the rubber band stretched. He ascended into heaven, into the very heart of God. The rubber band got tighter and tighter. The cup filled even more, not just with our humanity, but with all of God's divinity. And the two substances blended into each other. And after ten days of stretching, the rubber band got as tight as it could get. And on the day of Pentecost, that's right, wham! Divinity and humanity splattered all over the cosmic palette. The Bible doesn't tell it that way, does it? No, it doesn't. So am I just telling stories? Let me tell you another story. Then you tell me what you think. This is a totally true story. Once when I was a kid, I was sitting in my room playing. Suddenly, my cat, Santiago came plowing up the stairs, straight into my room, and smashed headlong into a metal garbage can. He pulled himself up, looked straight at me, and said, I meant to do that. <laughs> Did that really happen? Or am I just making up stories? When we tell stories, that doesn't mean we're no longer describing reality. It's just that we're doing it in a way that will more easily capture the imaginations and the understanding of others. And today is Trinity Sunday, and the Trinity is a doctrine unique to Christians. So we really should figure out what the story is that we're telling and why we're telling it. In one of my seminary classes, the professor asked us, Is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an objective reality that all beings in the universe, given enough perspective, could observe and agree on? Or, is the Trinity merely the way God appears to all humans, while other creatures might experience God differently? Or, is the Trinity merely the story Christians tell, while other religions also describe God more or less accurately in their own ways. The question garnered a variety of responses from this room full of potential priests. 
And as I tried to answer it myself, I realized that sticking too closely to any of these three possibilities challenged my Christian theology. Either I started thinking of God as three gods, or I started thinking of Jesus as not really quite God, and I struggled to figure out how the Holy Spirit fit in at all, you know. The Holy Spirit always gets short shrift in Christianity. The Bible doesn't give us the doctrine of the Trinity in so many words. It just tells us a whole bunch of stories about the nature of God and dares us to try to make them all hang together. Here are a couple examples. Last week, we heard in John's Gospel that during Jesus' earthly life, there was as yet no spirit. Huh? Of course there was. God's Holy Spirit is referred to throughout the Hebrew Bible that John knew more intimately than even we do. What might John mean? Well, John also writes that Christ, the Word, has always existed as an aspect of God's being. But then a few weeks ago, we heard Paul tell us that Jesus was a man appointed by God, which makes Jesus sound less than divine. Well, that's in the Bible, too. Yet Paul also talks about God emptying himself to become Jesus. So even the same author couldn't keep his story straight. What's going on here? Well, I'm here to let you off the hook. We don't have to keep our stories straight. That may be important for science and for court cases, but it doesn't work for theology. We need to tell multiple stories and hold them in tension. I mean, look, we have four Gospels, right? In philosophy, this is called the dialectical method. Thesis plus antithesis equals synthesis. So we can look at two conflicting stories and say, ah, look, now we are approaching deeper truth. I wonder whether we can draw even closer, or have we hit the limit of human understanding? And some of the stories we tell are fictional. This is important to accept, because if we don't, we decide not to use the brains God gave us. The thing is, we don't get nearer to truth by eliminating all fiction. Fiction helps us understand things that journalistic and scientific facts can't. As the singer Tracy Chapman once put it, there is fiction in the space between, but we're not just telling stories. We just heard the first story of all the Bible's stories, the first creation story, which I assure you is a work of fictional poetry. Yet it's not merely fictional poetry. Because its purpose is to help us understand God better. God who is beyond the real, beyond the stories, beyond and behind and underneath and within all that there is. How could we ever come close to such a mystery without using fiction? Like I did in the example of my cat Santiago smashing his face and losing face. <laughs> now... Jesus of Nazareth was a real person, I can assure you. But that part about the cup and the rubber band, ah, that's my own creation. A new fiction meant to help us draw closer to deeper truth. See, the people closest to Jesus realized something over time. They realized that he was a man and yet divine. Thesis and antithesis. 
and that the truth was beyond this distinction. In no other way could you meet a man worthy of worship as if he were God. Then, when the Holy Spirit ran rampant at Pentecost, people began to realize that the Spirit had always been a part of God's nature as well. Just as Christ had been there before darkness and light, before math and physics, before even the experience of being aware. God's idea, God's energy, God's power. That's how Dorothy Sayers describes the Trinity in her book, The Mind of the Maker. More traditionally, though, we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Of course, after all this intellectual musing, we are left with one big question. So what? Why tell these stories? They're certainly captivating, but why get up early on a weekend and come here to talk about them? What's the point? At the very end of Matthew's Gospel, the risen Christ doesn't explain the inner nature of God to his friends. No, instead he gives them work to do. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This doesn't mean conquer other peoples and enslave them with forced religion, though far too often in history Christians have done just that. And it doesn't mean give them a whole raft of rules they have to follow though Christians throughout history have continued to think that's the way this works. No. To make disciples is to invite people into Jesus' life of self-giving love and allow them full agency to choose whether and how to do that life. To obey Jesus means to practice yielding to the agenda of love even when it's difficult. We'll never get it right once and for all, but that need not discourage us because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the one God is with us at every step, calling us to try again, to fail again, to learn again. These stories we tell, often with fiction in the space between, are tools for the practice of love. We come back here every week to gather more tools and to compare notes on how we're using those tools. Then we get out into the world again to keep practicing. The practicing will transform our lives and the world. Could there be anything better to do on a weekend morning? So be the wonderful person you are and give yourself to others. Make weekly worship the practice that fuels all your other practices of love in the world. Finally, notice what we hear when Jesus is giving the Great Commission. They worshipped him, but some doubted. Well, of course they did. The same story won't be helpful for everyone all the time. But the reality toward which all our stories point is universal. It's just a question of how we're going to come close to the mystery of God today with these people in this place. So when doubts show up, welcome them, name them, and bring them to the altar with you. Place your doubts 
into the community of believers and allow them to steep in the waters of your baptism. In the meantime, Jesus has commissioned all of us, go make disciples, spread the good news that God creates us, redeems us, sustains us. Dare to believe that God is both within you and among us, working toward reconciliation, working toward love. God is love, and God is with all of us, always, to the end of the age. Amen.